You are listening to a sermon preached at Still Bay Baptist Church in Still Bay, South Africa. For more information, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you be blessed in listening to God's Word today. We're going to do two Bible readings now. That's part of today's message. And the first one there is from Isaiah 9 verse 6 to 7 that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then there's also a passage from Luke 2 that says, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And like I said, that's been our journey in December. Because that is not a promise for peace one day. Even though we know in eternity we will have perfect peace. That's the the best news of the good news. That there's going to be a day coming when everything will be made new and things will be perfect. But this promise is different. This promise is about peace on earth. And we live in a world that longs for peace. When we, we hear all these things about the wars happening and stuff, we say, but can't the people just sort themselves out? Can't we just have peace? Um, but there seems to be great disagreement how to get to this peace. In 1954, the country Vietnam divided into two parts. You had the northern part that was the communi- communist part and the southern part, the democratic part. And America decided that we're going to have to step in if we want to save the world and bring peace to the world, we're going to have to go in and destroy this communist um, um, danger that's happening in the north. And they went in, and they had war then. And you will know from all the movies that have been made that it was a bit of a disastrous war. It wasn't a war won. And so by the 1960s, in America itself, there was an uprising of people saying, you are not making things better. You are not bringing peace. War is a bad idea. And there was this anti-war, pro-peace movement that started. On April 17, 1965, between 15,000 and 25 students had this peaceful march to the state capital to oppose the war. Now that seems good. That seems good to have a peaceful march. The irony is, this anti-war movement became so bad that many people in the country who were against the war became anti the anti-war people. So they weren't pro-war yet, but they were definitely anti the anti-war people. Um, John Mueller did a lot of research on this, and he said, opposition to the war came to be associated with violent disruptions, stink bombs, desecration of the flag, profanity, and contempt for the American values. And you look at America and you realize, hmm, there's really nothing new under the sun. But... People who said, but we have a better solution for peace, brought something that wasn't shalom. God's idea of shalom, of of well-being, of things going well with your life inside you, outside you. But we know we don't have to look to the USA to know that 
earthly human efforts never bring peace. Human efforts never achieve the peace that we hope for. We can only look at our own country. When we were suffering under the evil of an apartheid government, what was the movement that brought change? Another evil movement associated with bomb planting, disobedience, um, breaking down, destroying. So evil, we try to fix evil with evil, and we wonder why we are in the state that we are in. But yet this, this longing for peace always persists. And whenever there's like a, any straw to be grasped at, and then people think, oh, maybe this is the thing. Maybe this is the thing that's going to bring peace into our world. Maybe this will ignite the fire that will change the world. In 1914, another one of these straws happened. And where people said, maybe this is the glimmer of hope we were waiting for. Maybe this will now finally change people and their ways. And so let's watch a little video about what happened in 1914.
Ignoring the fact that it is a Sainsbury advert, this is something that really happened. In 1914, this was called the Christmas Truce. We are on the Western Front on Christmas Eve. The German and the British soldiers started singing hymns in their trenches. And on Christmas Day, they came out and they, they spent time together playing soccer and stuff. You know what I find the most fascinating about that event was that people think it's so wonderful. Wow, look at that. Look how wonderful. And then two, three days later, they started shooting at each other again. And, and it just shows how, how broken our concept of peace is. We're looking for little plasters to just make me feel a little better about today. And if I can just get through today and today is fine. But peace that lasts is no peace. The world has never offered peace that lasted. It can put plasters on. It can help a little bit. It can make you feel better for a day or a week. But it can't change the reality that there is no peace. Um, so let's get back to Jesus. And we want to see what journey Jesus is on to bring peace to us. Um, when the shepherds met the angels on the hills that night, they heard from the angels that today someone is born. The good news of great joy, the long-awaited Savior. And because of Him, this little baby, they will become available on earth Peace to those with whom he is well pleased. A baby in a manger, the bringer of real peace. Now, many of you would know Anthony Noble. Anthony Noble is a, a Christian artist, a painter, and a, and a sculptor with clay. And last week, he sent a very good message out where he said, Imagine on your birthday... Everyone gets together for your birthday, and all that they're doing is they're taking out pictures of your birth. And they're saying, oh, look how cute you were. Look, there you were in the hospital. Oh, look at those cute little toesies there. And oh, fantastic. Look how beautiful the day was. And they pack it away, and they go home. You'd go, hey, whoa, well, hold on. We're here to celebrate me. We celebrate my another year that I've been walking on this earth. And sadly, the world does the same thing with Jesus. Once a year we come together, once again they come together, the world, and they take our little pictures of Jesus and they talk about how cute the little baby in the manger is and he's wrapped in cloths and there's a sheep, little sheep standing by singing to him and all these beautiful pictures and then we pack it away and we carry on. They carry on with their lives again. Um, Jesus was a baby in a manger, but he isn't a baby in a manger. He's not anymore. 800 years before his birth, a prophet Isaiah prophesied about who this child will become. And we read then in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, th this is what we're looking at this month. The Prince of Peace. And when I looked at this, I realized, but that, that translation doesn't sit well with me. And I've got a lovely Bible program where I've got about 15 different English translations of the Bible. And I looked through all of them, and all of them translated as Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. There was one, there was one that says, the Prince who brings peace. And there was a bit of a change there. The problem with the word Prince is not really the problem with the word, it's a problem with our understanding of the word prince. 
Prince is not the best word. The, the Hebrew word there is tsar shalom, um, a word from which eventually developed the, the Russian idea of the, the powerful king, the tsar. And so our problem with the word prince is that we've been influenced too much by Disney. When we hear prince, we think Disney. And in Disney, what is a prince? It's a guy with permed hair, beautiful blue eyes, and his main role in life is to ride on a white horse and smile and look for a princess. That's the problem with the word. It's not the best translation because of our understanding of the word. Now, interestingly enough, the Afrikaans Bible gets it better. Who can tell me what the Afrikaans Bible translates it as? Friede Force. A mighty warrior. The, 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 the word here, the word Tsar, is the idea of the guy who fights at the front of the battle. The person who is in charge of leading the army, the warrior, the warlord, the commander. Why prince? Because in those days, it was often the king's sons who fulfilled this role of the Tsar. In a war, the king would be the guy who comes in as the strategist. He would be the one making the plans how the war would be. But then he would send his sons and the other tsars to go and lead the battalions, to take into the war, to go fight the battle and to win the battle. And so the prophecy of Prince of Peace is the prophecy of a warrior coming. Um, and he will do what needs to be done to bring eternal peace. Now, that's what we actually want to spend time on today. What is this that Jesus did or is doing or will do to eventually bring this peace that's not just for one soccer match, but peace that will last? And the first thing we realize is that he's only halfway through this war. This Char Shalom of us, he's only halfway through the war. The first part of his war happened when he came the first time to earth. When he was born as a little baby, and what happened was, he grew up as a man who never sinned. So the guilt and the clutches of sin never influenced him. He could walk as a free man, and therefore he could go to the cross to fight the battle, the first part of the battle. Now what did he defeat on that cross? In Colossians 2 verse 13 to 15 we read, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. So there are two parts to what happened on the cross. The first part, who was the first person, the first battle that Jesus fought, was against us. Well, a part of us. The idea here of the uncircumcision of your flesh, it was the part of you that was not cut out yet. Your fleshly side. And so Jesus came as the perfect man, not deserving punishment, and he said, put your, put your sin on me. Put your guilt on me, and I will, and I will go face the wrath of God to pay for that. And so the first part of what was needed for us to get in this direction is that for our sins to be forgiven. So what does it bring to us? It brings us release from the power of sin. 
It brings us release from the guilt of sin for those who believe. Um, and then the second thing he did was it says here, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame. So what does that refer to the Romans? The moment he died on the cross, Pilate's temple, palace fell apart and the Jews rose up and the, the, the Romans were no longer. So it, it can't refer to human powers and authorities. What happened there was the moment he died on the cross and he rose again, he disarmed the cosmic powers, what Satan's armies are called in Ephesians. He disarmed them. Now, the disarm is literally to strip them of everything. He stripped them of their power. He stripped Satan of his weapons and stuff. That is fantastic news for us. That as a child of God here, I don't have to fear Satan anymore. I never ever have to worry. Some people live in these fear bubbles where everything is satanic and Satan is going to get me and I need to dodge and I need to hide away. Satan is disarmed. Satan lost his power. The only power Satan still has is the power of deception where he can make you choose to listen to him. But as a child of God, you never have to. You have the power not to. You have the power to be in Christ and to, to walk with him. So this was the first part of the battle. This is the thing that held us in war. This is the thing that, remo that removed peace from us, was our sin and the power of Satan over us. Um, and so the next thing then was, the next part of the war is coming when he comes again. So in 1 Corinthians we read and it says, Then comes the end, Jesus' return, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The first thing he comes is that he comes and he destroys every authority and power. And now you go, but didn't he do it on the cross? We just read that he did it on the cross. Why does he have to do it again? So what's the difference? There's a difference between disarm and destroy. Satan is disarmed, but he's still here. He's still walking around like a lion, seeing who he can devour, seeing who he can deceive. But that day when God comes again, he will be destroyed. He will be removed, him and all his powers. So every evil thing that Satan is doing in this world, he won't be able to do anymore. He will be destroyed. Now, what happened is that the first time Jesus came, he split the world in two. There was the group that was for him and the group that is against him. And then for at least 2,000 years, Jesus said to the church, now your job is to what? To go and have fun with the ghosts that are for Jesus. You must just enjoy it. Just live your life, best life now. Just go and be there. No, he sent us to this group. He said, go to the group that is against me and invite them. Tell them about me. Get as many people from this group into this group because God is love. He doesn't want this group to be destroyed. That's the time we're in now with these two groups. But one day when he comes again, the line will be drawn. And he will destroy not only just the kingdoms in the air, but every rule and every authority, whether in heaven whether on earth anything that is against him will be destroyed. That's the battle that's coming. We can't change that battle. Can we pray and say, God, please don't come again? Can we do that? Will it work? What if we pray with enough faith? 
Will it work then? What if we really mean it when we pray? What if we fast while we're praying? You can never pray against something that God said will happen. It will happen. He is coming again. The only decision you have is which side you will be on when He comes again. But He will come, and the first thing that He will destroy are all these powers. And the second thing He will destroy as the Shah Shalom is the last enemy to be destroyed as death. Now when Jesus died on the cross, He defeated death for Himself. He became the Lord of death by rising up from the dead. But we are still struggling under the curse of death. That punishment that came when Adam sinned and death became the curse that affected the whole world. Now I said in the previous service as well, and I think it's true here as well. There are people here today that for whom Christmas is a bit different because there were people last year with you that you celebrated Christmas with that's not here anymore this Christmas. The death and the curse of death affects the whole world. Every aspect of our lives is affected by the death and the brokenness and the destruction of our world and our bodies and our lives and our situations and our um, companies and our governments and all affected by death. But the good news is that Tar Salom is coming one day and he will defeat and destroy that enemy, that curse for us as well. And so... Jesus came as a little baby in a manger, but he grew up to become the warrior. He grew up to become the one that does what needs to be done to give us peace. And his peace is not like, oh well, there will be this lovely day, the 25th of December, when all family members will come together, even those who dislike each other, because grandmother said, you have to be there. And we'll all come and we'll smile and we'll eat too much. And then we'll go back to our lives of never talking to each other until next Christmas. The world doesn't know peace. Because the world cannot defeat the enemy that is keeping us away from peace. But God sent His Son to fight these battles. First the sin in us. First heal us. Then removing the power of Satan so that we don't have to fall again and again. But that we can walk on this journey of getting other people to join him, other people to become part of Pete, longing for that day when he will come and finish this war, when he will come and destroy all these enemies, every single person that rejects God and makes your life difficult will get what they deserve. And then for those who know him and love him, death is removed, the curse is removed, life eternal forever perfect with Him, not just for a day, forever and ever and ever and ever. That's Jesus. That's the Prince of Peace who came what needs to be done and will come to do what needs to be done so that we can get shalom and shalom eternal. Let us pray before we carry on. Father, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You that we can come and know you. You didn't send peace as a gift in a box. You came in a person so that peace can be found in you, in relationship with you, in knowing you, in denying ourselves and our desires and the things we think we need to make life good, to deny it and to admit that you know best, your way is best. 
You're the only one that can fix this brokenness and to become part of you and to follow you into eternity. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't remain a baby in a manger, but that you became the Savior and the warrior we need. We pray all of this, Lord, in your wonderful name. Amen. I hope you were blessed in hearing God's word today. For more information or prayer, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you find your life in Jesus Christ and Him alone.